0: Hi, everybody. It's Mark Iskowitz, executive editor at MM&M, and I want to welcome you to another installment of the mm podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm joined here by my co-host, Allison Kansky. Hey, Allison.
1: Hey, Mark. How are you doing?
0: Good, thanks. This is the first time you're uh, co-hosting a podcast. Welcome.
1: It is. I'm very
0: excited. It's a long time coming. Yes. <laughs> Allison's uh, our stalwart reporter, and she's been uh, covering a lot of uh, goings-on for the magazine. Uh, there have been a lot of those uh, in the healthcare world as of late, as I'm sure you all know. Uh, but we're very privileged to have our guest. So in the studio today at uh, Priscilla Beale. Um, she is uh, Global Head Digital Health Engagement for, for Bayer. Am um, I saying that correctly or is it Bayer? I never know.
1: Tomato, tomato. Depends okay. on if you're in Germany or in the U.S. So okay. I'll take either.
0: Okay. <laughs> Flexible. We like that. And uh, you head up the U.S. Healthcare Innovation Team, which is G4A, and um, that includes running the open innovation engine, and you're working closely with different units. Yep. Okay. Great. Um, and um, so ecosystem engagement, uh, so working with uh, digital health startups, talk a little bit about um, the, the primary part of your job.
1: So G4A has been around uh, since 2013, started as a hallway conversation um, uh, with some pharma executives about building an app and giving a grant, hence grants for apps now abridged to G4A, not unlike the M and m story. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the years, we've really grown from being a somewhat altruistic exercise, trying to dive into the startup world, understand um, what it is that startups are really awesome at doing from a niche perspective versus what buyer is really doing uh, or has been doing for 185 years, uh, innovating on the molecule, which is we're great at process, we're great at scale. Um And so we have different groups within G4A that are doing different things. So one of them is the partnership program that opens um, this year in 2019 on April 1st. Uh, Another is our venture design group. Uh, And then we have other folks that do um, sort of the serious strategy conversations with the divisions to identify where business opportunities are within pharma and consumer health, specifically where emerging trends and consumer need meet, uh, Mm -hmm. because the ultimate goal of all of G4A is to identify um, new financial opportunities, new business models, and new businesses um, at the intersection of human need and, and these emerging trends. Great, great. And so my role uh, with engagement along with uh, another colleague of mine is really to give visibility and a voice to the efforts that we do uh, mm-hmm. on behalf of buyer.
0: And you've also uh, kindly agreed to give the um, keynote talk at the upcoming MMM Transforming Healthcare Conference in May, and we'll, we'll yes. get to that a little bit later. Very excited. Yes, we're thrilled to have you. Thank <laughs> you for, the, for for that. And um, so you also work with the Saskia um, uh, Steinacker, who is the Chief Digital Officer of, of Bayer, right?
1: Yes, and fantastic. Um, uh, one of the best advocates, not only um, from a subject matter expertise, but also as a woman in technology myself and a woman in the digital space, it's really fantastic to have uh, have people like Saskia out there, not only representing Bayer and our efforts to really kind of change the experience of health and to drive digital transformation in a large um, organization, but to also see um, a woman in that role is, is very inspiring.
0: Sure. And digital transformation is, is her main remit, yes, right? Yes, exactly. And she was just profiled, actually, in mm and uh, Chief Digital Officers um, uh, feature that we just uh, posted this past week, so she's she's uh, um, up on our site, Yeah, uh, check for it lack out. of a better word. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Priscilla, you have a very interesting background. I think I saw that you worked at NASA at some point in your life. I do. Um, could you talk a little bit about that and how that kind of led you to this position you're in now? Absolutely. Um, So I actually grew up kind of in the art world. I'm the art world equivalent of an army brat. Um, Moved around and currently live in Pittsburgh with my husband. It's the 13th city I've lived in. Um, The first seven or eight were part of that art world experience where um, we moved around as my father got different jobs at different museums. Um, I did my undergrad in history and then went back and got my graduate degree in art history. Uh, And... I worked for a little bit at the Detroit Institute of Arts and then moved to D.C. because you can't throw a rock or a stick without hitting a museum in D.C., so I figured someone would Mm -hmm. be hiring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in the meantime, I wanted to get a job to pay the bills and to be able to go out. So I applied for a temp job with a friend who owned an agency, and they placed me as an admin at NASA. Um, And I would get my work done and then walk around and talk to these Literal rocket scientists (laughs) Um, all day. It was one of the coolest jobs ever. Uh, And one day, part one of these conversations um, was sitting in on some mission status meetings. Uh, One of the cool things now is that the missions I sat in 15 years ago are now the ones that we're seeing on the news. So that's kind (laughs) of neat. And they were actually managing rocket ship status <laughs> on an Excel spreadsheet and changing cell colors from red to yellow to green. And even though I really knew nothing about IT other than the fact that the internet worked, um, <laughs> uh, I was like, there has to be a way to automate this. Um, so I went to my friend that was in IT and we talked and we figured out a proposal to automate this. And the next thing I knew, I was in charge of an IT project and I've been in IT ever since. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. that is <laughs> very cool. Very cool. And you were
0: there for like almost two years, right? Two and
1: a half, three years, yeah. Two and a wow, yeah.
0: So it was uh, fun. Yeah. So uh, rocket science to, uh, how did you get into pharma?
1: Um, so that's another transition. So I went from outer space to the marketing space, uh, worked for in digital strategy and digital marketing for agencies for mm-hmm. eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. And then was working 14 or 16 hour days and had just had my third child and decided that it was exhausting enough being a mother, <laughs> uh, let alone adding the extra 16 hours, um, and so decided to join the dark side, um, which is what agencies called the client world. And <laughs> uh, so there was an opportunity to join Bayer, and I really believed in their mis- mission at the time, so science for a better life. Um, and then it's I've been there now for just over four years.
0: Great, great. And, and you're primarily interfacing, or you're doing a lot of interfacing with startups,
1: absolutely yeah that's um, I would say right now that's 80 to 90 percent of of what I do so Mm -hmm. everything from um, conferences to external engagement so also Mm -hmm. responsible for all of the marketing communications that G4 a does out to the external world Mm -hmm. Um, I'm dealing with media relations and press and PR uh, and then also working with the divisions and with subject matter experts out in the field, people that are part of the quote G four A family um, mm-hmm. that we kind of bring in to to learn about and to help contribute to topics like AI, you know, machine learning, digital therapeutics,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, digital contraception, that kind of thing.
0: Okay. And um, what are uh, buyers' kind of um, priorities in terms of the, what types of startups it likes to back?
1: Um, interesting question. So. It really depends on the need. So both pharma and consumer um, have strategies that they um, have developed that are very future facing. So vision 2022, vision 2025, um, where they want to implement products that are beyond the pill, um, Mm -hmm. implement products that are not only in support of existing kind of Pills, potions, tonics, and lotions, but like, what's actual digital devices, solutions, experiences that we can help give patients that can help alleviate pain, like external pain management. Mm. Um, how can we help? Um, how can we help patients, especially uh, in the millennial and in the natural space, um, that that jives very frequently um, in digital health? How can we offer them solutions and experiences that will help them take care of themselves and ensure that not only is are they getting better when they are sick, but they're staying better and not getting sick. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so how can we leverage emerging trends and how can we emerge in, how can we leverage technology to help both pharma and consumer accomplish those accomplish those goals?
0: Right, um, are you? Um, do you have any digital therapeutics companies in your um, portfolio, so to speak? Uh, in the G four A
1: portfolio, no, we do not. We do not. Um, okay. Most of ours are um, more sort of digital health oriented. We have a lot mm-hmm. of um, companies that we've worked on um, algorithms uh, with, uh, mostly in the pharma R and D space. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a couple consumer health alumni um, from a program we had last year, okay. um, and one of those was a uh, was a device that tested. Um, uh, blood nutrient levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but not any specific devices that have gone through the G4A program right now.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, is, uh, pharma hasn't traditionally been thought of as, you know, the first port of call for, for startups in the startup community. Um, how, how has that changed? How do you see pharma becoming a better partner and, and why?
1: I love that question. So for, for buyer anyway, We are an excellent partner because, as we said at the onset of the podcast, we are really good at a lot of things, um, but spending time on niche technologies um, and niche applications of those technologies uh, is something that we can do and that we have been doing, but we aren't expert at it all the time, and there are other people out there that are better at it. Mm -hmm. So going looking to startups who very often have personal ties to the solution they've come up with, either because they have a family member or they themselves have suffered from um, an ailment or some kind of condition or injury. Um, You know, there's no better expert than those individuals and they have this passion project that then becomes a successful company. And so um, going to someone that really, A, has that passion that we share for the science, right, if they have it for their product and buyer has it for the science, but they've already gotten it to a place where, Um, we can uh, just kind of engage with them and roll it into our process, then it sort of is mutually beneficial, right? So Mm -hmm. we bring them in, help them with the use cases, give them those swaths of data, for example, that they might use um, that uh, that might be used to, confirm that their algorithm works at scale, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, So the benefits are really, um, they benefit because we can give them the funding to succeed, but we still can provide them the safety of trying to implement the vision that really initiated them starting their startup in the first place. Um, And then we also have Going back to the use case and and the data comment, um, you know, we have the ability to bring in mentors from across the organization, legal, medical, regulatory. Mm -hmm. We tap into all of the expertise that we do have as an organization uh, to really help help that company Mm -hmm. become more successful uh, with us. And in many cases, after they have left the G4A program, um, become successful. It's one of the favorite things about my job is that little altruistic twist that we love it when buyer... Invests or continues the project, but we also just love to see the startups that come through our program find success, whether it's with us or, dare I say, a competitor. Sure. (laughs) Well, what that brings up a good point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If 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 you find that a startup is better served, say by J Labs, uh, you know, or by one of the other Mm -hmm. um, external innovation uh, engines or accelerators, you know, do you you know make that recommendation?
1: I wouldn't say that we make it overtly. Um, I think it, I think it really just depends on the startup okay. and the relationship we have with them. Sure. Um, there are things that we do really well. Like I said before, we really um, we co-create these challenge statements with the division. We were okay. very sort of tied into the development of this the digital strategy uh, that pharma and consumer are both developing, and um, and then challenge statements come out of workshops that that we. Um, that we participate in with the divisions so it's a very it's a very collaborative process from beginning mm. to end and it's ongoing it's not just when the program is live mm. um, one of the things that um and we have mentoring and and all this other stuff um, one of the things that for example g labs who you mentioned um does really well is they just give lots of cash right mm. and sometimes when especially when you're a more mature company you don't need help with your business plan you don't need help with um, with your use case development, um, and then in many cases you don't want your company to be impacted by the company with whom you're partnering. Um, and in that case, you know, getting a ten million dollar check from J Labs is pretty sweet.
0: Right. <laughs> sure. I wouldn't mind that. Um, and uh, you, you, you mentioned uh, data. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. something that's very useful to startups. Um, what kind of data? Uh, do, you, do you have like data sandboxes, data lakes, that kind of thing? Like I've heard that term. Yeah. Is data sandboxes, meaning that they're open to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sharing with startups, say, and, and what, what kind of data are, are they after in, in many cases?
1: We don't do anything like that right now, as far as I'm aware. Um, caveat. Uh, bar is <laughs> uh, a big organization, so there might be someone somewhere doing it. Um, I would love to see. Uh, you know, I'm going to be giving the talk uh, uh, later this this year at the conference about the future of partnering. One of the things I would love to see buyer do is open up a sandbox environment and give some of that data uh, anonymized, obviously, um, and compliant, fully compliant. I promise. Um, <laughs> Uh, and give access to that data so that startups all the time can, can test and learn and, and mm-hmm. improve the algorithms that they have um, because really they're trying to help save people's lives, which sure, is pretty sure. amazing. So anything that we can do um, to help them on that journey and expedite that journey, uh, I think it would be amazing. So yeah, we don't right. currently have kind of data sandboxes out mm-hmm. there. Right. That said, when we partner, when we bring in companies to partner um, with G4A, Uh, Yes, we have several times um, given them access after all the proper legal documentation has been signed uh, uh, Mm -hmm. to, you know, huge, um, you know, clinical trials, databases and and that kind of thing. That
0: patient level data that that pharma has a lot of sitting on a lot of. Exactly. Right.
1: And oftentimes we have so much data we don't even know the data we have because we've been collecting it.
0: Uh Right. Yeah, I was just reading a stat recently, Novartis, they were public about like they've been tracking are collecting their clinical trials data in a certain data repository for the last twenty years, but they have two million patient years worth of data in that repository. So, mm-hmm. mind-blowing, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. and we've been doing it for 157 years, so there you go.
0: There you go. Well, I'm sure they've been <laughs> doing the clinical magic. trials for longer than twenty years, but I guess they have it. They've no, been that's been fantastic. Sharing it in a certain, yeah. They've been Great. saving it in a certain repository that allows them, I guess, to uh, then make better use of it. Yeah,
1: uh, that's fantastic. Uh, anyway. So we've mentioned it a few times that you're going to be at our conference giving a talk in May um, and it's on the future of partnering. So can you give us a little bit of a preview of what you're going to talk about there? So this data lake ex- example is is I think a really good one. Um, I'm going to talk about what it is that I wish um, and that I hope we are going to do in the future uh, as buyer and as an organization, but also what I really hope what's the like the promised land what's the phrase i'm looking for um
0: but what's that
1: yeah what's that relationship and 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 asking just as many questions as I'm kind of answering in the talk out to the community to say, what is what are the questions that we're trying to solve? The future of partnering is not just about the ability to more effectively partner with startups or to engage VCs or to engage, you know, life science organizations in partnership. It's also about making sure that as a community we have that mind shift toward asking the right questions and not trying to Use technology and figure out how we can use technology to make a profit or to help people, be- help people get better. But to go to the root of the need um, mm-hmm. and say, what is the patient condition? What is the consumer need? Um, uh, what is the what's the opportunity here to help make somebody's life better and change their experience of health? Um, so those are some of the things that I'll be talking about.
0: Utopian view of partnering. Oh well, yeah. I don't know if we <laughs> go that <laughs> far, <Yeah. laughs> right? No. Um, and uh, so, one other thing I wanted to ask you was, what's, you know, what's the, you know, the end result of this partnering? It's, it's, you know, beyond the pill. Excuse the phrase. Types of um, um, kind of initiatives that will help augment buyers' um, product portfolio in such a way that will become more appealing to consumers, more Absolutely. helpful for their health. Talk about that. Like, what, what's the end goal?
1: So, two, two or threefold, I would say. First is really to. Um, We're a business, right? So from a business perspective, we want to create new revenue streams that are based on behavioral science, Mm. Um, startup style, right? So not the typical um, glacier-paced pharma that many startups experience. Mm. Um, The second thing is also... A lot of people, when they think about Bayer or Bayer, uh, is they think of like their grandfather's Aspen Company, right? But we really are this organization that's doing things like partnering with Casebia and and making advances with the Cas9 gene and um, and trying to cure blindness and, uh, you know, trying to cure cancer and you know and and there are some amazing things that we're trying to do and making sure that more of the world knows about that so that they can come to us and that we can make these effective partnerships is is another very significant goal for us
0: and you mentioned two things one of which was the uh, that I wanted to follow up on but one of the one of the things was some of the interesting startups that you have in, in your um, in your ecosystem can you call out a couple of those
1: sure um, uh Turbine uh, is one of them. They were part of our cohort in 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, They have actually found um, some great success after going through the cohort on um, some projects with us, but also um, some great investment opportunities that was uh, using AI for clinical trials. Um,
0: A big need, right?
1: Yeah, Yeah. Cyclica uh, is another company who's actually in the process of trying to create a data lake um, also in the clinical trial space, so okay. those are two. Um, we have a whole swath of uh, success stories on G4A Health. Okay. Shameless plug. Um, Check that out, everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's many. You know, longboat. Uh, um, um, yeah, there's, mm. there's so very, several companies that were actually a lot of companies that we were very proud of.
0: Safe to assume it extends across the life cycle from R&D yep. all the way through to mm-hmm. commercial. Absolutely. Okay, great. we will check that out. G4A.com. Dot health. Dot health. Yes. Sorry. Oh, you're on the dot health uh, domain. Are. Okay. Very <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, so the second, <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought buyer, you know? <laughs> not your she father's should. buyers, um, buyer, um, the second point you mentioned was the what some people would consider the, I wouldn't say glacial pace, but the slow pace of innovation that, that people, you know, think of when they think of pharma. It takes eight, nine years to go from the bench, you know, to the bedside. That's the, the classic. That's the fast know, version, yeah. Right, it's the fast version. Um, and so people don't necessarily uh, associate pharma with speed. Mm-hmm. And one of the topics, you know, that came up at South by Southwest this past um, couple of days ago, uh, South by Southwest Health, was, um, you know, that kind of that can cause um, a little bit of um, friction um, with with startups who ex- expect a, a tighter turnaround. Can you say what you know? What is your timetable to complete deals with startups? Do you have, um, you know, a, a, a certain timetable? And you know, is it expressed in months? Is it weeks? Uh,
1: so it really depends. So for G four specifically, with the program that the annual program that we have, uh, we have an application period. We have a review period. We have the um, the sprint uh, where we actually bring the startups in to talk about it and it's the months the short answer is months okay. um, that the longer answer <laughs> uh, is then we have the sprint period and then we have kind of the signing period where we bring them in we actually have a signing day um, and then we have two tracks uh, one that's called growth which is for earlier stage startups that still need some of that stuff I was mentioning earlier so um, maybe they need co-working space they need mentoring they need pitch coaching um, uh, they really need to develop their use case, um, sort of co co-create use cases with buyers. Part of that, uh, as part of that growth exercise for three months, and then we have a five month track called Advance, which is for later stage companies with a product on or close, to, at least close to market. Um, uh, that is much more of that. Hey, let's start a project on day one and get to a prototype or proof of concept or um, see where we can go. And then after that, it becomes. What are the additional milestones and what are the additional funding that pharma uh, or or consumer is willing to contribute to either acquire, equity, um, continue a project, start another project. Um, There's a lot of different ways that we, you know, co-distribute, co-commercialize. So there's a lot of different options.
0: Okay, great. How about we move to the speed round now? Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, this is just a little bit of a, you know, uh, portion of the podcast where we ask you some uh, quick hit questions uh, just to kind of um, learn a little bit more about your likes and, and dislikes mostly your likes um, who are your health tech uh, or innovation role models
1: hmm. um, I would say it's, it's gonna sound like such a brunette brown-nosing answer but I would say the head of G4A Eugene Brovich who actually is like the top four don't tell my don't tell him this stat like Twitter <laughs> followed digital health, uh, guru. Um, but he inspires me every day. Um, and again, also going to sound cheesy that people that inspire me most are these startups that come up with an idea and create a company out of absolutely nothing. Um, and end up being able to help save a cancer patient from, you know, years of pain or, um, help speed up a trial earlier. Um, I get up every day because I really love helping enable those relationships. And that's actually really where I, I draw a lot of my inspiration from is from them.
0: Great. Great. So you're lucky to be working in that environment. I am. Uh, second question. Um, which of your competitors do you think uh, is doing the best, coolest, most interesting work? None of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> At least you honest.
1: I know. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, J-Labs has some really cool stuff that they're doing. Um, I actually think a lot of the really neat innovations, especially in the digital health space um, and where we're going to find our competition, um, are more in academia right now Mm -hmm. than they are in sort of the larger life science organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing that I am most excited and most scared about um, is like the Airbnb version of the digital health superstar that mm-hmm. kind of comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. in a completely unrelated field and just knocks it out of the park.
0: Right. Right. The, the one that really harnesses the behavioral insights right. and the right kind of delivery vehicle to cover all the social determinants of health, throw another buzzword out there and really <laughs> captures the attention of consumers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But do you want to
0: that's why you want to be out there and partnering, yes, you know, and showing yourself so. to be a good partner so that hopefully you'll get on the ground. It'll be us. Yes. You guys, exactly. Right, partnering with that person, right. Or entity. Great. Well, this has been really f- a lot of fun and really fascinating. Thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, if you enjoyed this as much as I did and, uh, and Allison did, I'm sure, uh, you can hear, uh, Priscilla at the, uh, MMNM transforming healthcare conference on May 8th in New York. She's going to be giving the, uh, Opening keynote on the utopian view of uh, (laughs) partnering for pharma. Just kidding. Just the future of of partnering, uh, whether that's, you know, startups or big tech or or other entities. And um, uh, you can also read the uh, profile of of Saskia Steinecker, uh, the chief digital officer of of Bayer, on our site now uh, in the feature on uh, pharma's chief digital officers. Uh, Once again, uh, thank you for joining us, Priscilla. My
1: pleasure.
0: And uh, thanks, everybody out there. We'll catch you next time.
1: Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. ん